The Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open now our lips. And our mouth shall shout forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 102, beginning on page 464. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my crying come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the time of my trouble. Incline thine ear unto me when I call. O oh, hear me, and that right soon. For my days are consumed away like smoke, and my bones are burnt up as it were a firebrand. My heart is smitten down and withered like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. For the voice of my groaning, my bones will scarce cleave to my flesh. I am become like a pelican in the wilderness, and like an owl that is in the desert. I have watched, and am even as it were a sparrow, that sitteth alone upon the housetop. Mine enemies revile me all the day long, and they that are mad upon me are sworn together against me. For I have eaten ashes as it were bread, and mingled my drink with weeping. And that because of thine indignation and wrath, for thou hast taken me up and cast me down. My days are gone like a shadow, and I am withered like grass. But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever, and thy remembrance throughout all generations. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for it is time that thou have mercy upon her, yea, the time is come. And why? Thy servants think upon her stones, and it pitieth them to see her in the dust. The nation shall fear thy name, O Lord, and all the kings of the earth thy majesty. 
When the Lord shall build up Zion, and when his glory shall appear. When he turneth him unto the prayer of the poor destitute, and despiseth not their desire. This shall be written for those that come after, and the people which shall be born shall praise the Lord. For he hath looked down from his sanctuary, out of the heaven did the Lord behold the earth. That he might hear the mournings of such as are in captivity, and deliver them that are appointed unto death. That they may declare the name of the Lord in Zion, and his worship at Jerusalem. When the peoples are gathered together, and the kingdoms also to serve the Lord. He brought down my strength in my journey, and shortened my days. But I said, O my God, take me not away in the midst of mine age, as for thy years they endure throughout all generations. Thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. They all shall wax old, as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall stand fast in thy sight. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the 31st chapter of the book of Isaiah. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are, they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise and will bring disaster, and will not call back his words, but will arise against the house of evildoers, and against the help of those who work iniquity. Now the Egyptians are men, and not God, and their horses are flesh, and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, both he who helps will fall, and he who is helped will fall down. They all will perish together. For thus the Lord has spoken to me. As a lion roars, and a young lion over his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is summoned against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor be disturbed by their noise. So the Lord of hosts will come down, to fight for Mount Zion and for its hill. Like birds flying about, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending, he will also deliver it. Passing over, he will preserve it. Return to him against whom the children of Israel have deeply revolted. For in that day, every man shall throw away his idols of silver and his idols of gold, sin, which your own hands have made for yourselves. Then Assyria shall fall by a sword not of man, and the sword not of mankind shall devour him. But he shall flee from the sword, and his young men shall become forced labor. He shall cross over to his stronghold for fear, and his princes shall be afraid of the banner. Says the Lord, whose fire is in Zion, and whose furnace is in Jerusalem. Here endeth the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, 
and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath holpen his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the 13th verse of the 4th chapter of the 1st Epistle to the Thessalonians. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Here endeth the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. 
for it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O Lord, we beseech thee to keep thy church and household continually in thy true religion, that they who do lean only upon the hope of thy heavenly grace may evermore be defended by thy mighty power. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Light in our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening, all. We have to really begin with our psalm tonight. Psalm 102 is an excellent example of a, of a sort of pattern that we see prevalent in the psalms. Uh, the psalmist reflecting with perplexity on the uh, profound dissonance that uh, he views all around him um, between how, you know, what is sort of stated in the law and what is promised in the law and, and what is generally promised in the law is that uh, faithfulness to God uh, produces sort of produces uh, prosperity and produces sort of stability and uh, unfaithfulness produces misery and dissolution. Uh, and yet, uh, the psalmist, as the psalmist often does, reflects on uh, how the world doesn't always reflect this, and at least in the short term, and is deeply grieved and perplexed by this, that um, that the righteous servants of God are often trodden down beneath the heels of those who are doing wickedly. Um, we've discussed this over the last few weeks, uh, this kind of being a recurring motif. Uh, the, the significance as we enter this sort of last, those last couple of days of Epiphany Tide is, uh, like we discussed last Friday, um, that the the more Christ becomes manifest, um, the more it throws into sharp relief things that are unlike each other. Um, even within a single person, uh, as Christ draws near and is made manifest to someone, it um, divides uh, that which is um, that you know it divides things into their proper um, types and and proper um, sort of substances. And so um, you know that which is you know devoted to Christ is is made manifest and that which is uh, has remained un, un, unoffered and undonated uh, to the to, to God that becomes manifest as well and so uh, the psalmist uh, the trajectory of the psalmist's prayer is always to draw near to God um, because in drawing near to God things become more what they are um, and this is both a you know a, a relief but it's also a fearful thing because um, you know, while it throws into relief that the that unrighteousness really is unrighteous and, you know, when it can be easy for it to be confused, it's also uh, something that all of us in drawing near realize will be true about ourselves. Um, you know, we, this is reflected in the in our first prayer that we offer at every mass where we all draw near together uh, to, to the altar of God and we pray uh, almighty God unto whom all hearts are open, all desires are known and from whom no secrets are hid. Um, there's no pretense that we are able to dissemble uh, before the face of God and the whole cosmos that falls uh, under that same principle. And so but the psalmist always ushers us uh, sort of uh, to accompany uh, him to 
to that nearness, uh, that the world and ourselves might be seen in that nearness. And by the light of God, we might see with light what is and is not true. Um, and then we will pursue, and then the psalmist typically perceives that the end of unrighteousness really truly is ruin, um, that the end of righteousness really and truly is a uh, blessing uh, from God. Um, it just doesn't, even though in the short term, that can sometimes be obscured. Um, as we sort of look, as we look at uh, Isaiah 31, this is exactly what's happening. Um, and it, it's, it's playing with the tendencies of human behavior. It's pointing out the tendencies of human behavior um, when we lose sight of that perspective, that great epiphany and the fruits of that epiphany. Um, Isaiah is reflecting on the um, the incursion of the Assyrians into the southern kingdom, having conquered the northern kingdom. Uh, now they're now they're battering down the walls of Jerusalem itself uh, and, are, and are trying to invade it. And the, the, the citizens of Jerusalem and Judah at large are, are like, we're, we're toast. Like the Assyrians get whatever they want. They've conquered way people way more powerful than us. Uh, and so the, our best bet is to try and hedge, you know, hedge uh, against them by making alliances with the Egyptians, um, which, which is what they're tempted to do. And God strictly forbids this. He says, you think that, you know, you think that that's going to save you. It's really not it both in, you know, in terms of faithfulness, um, because they refuse to trust in God and are trying to uh, sort of hedge their bets by contracting an alliance with a with an earthly superpower of some significant military might. Um, but then also just in practical terms, uh, because Egypt itself gets destroyed by the Assyrians at, at, at a couple of different points in their long, long history as an empire. And so it, by this point, when they're being warned against this, they're saying like, this is foolish, both for in terms of covenant faithfulness, and this is foolish in terms of practicality too. And yet there is always that temptation that is present in our in our sort of our approach to these tense and anxious moments of life where we will tempt to we were was like, well, I trust in you, Lord, but I'm also going to try and like hedge things around me so that I don't have to rely on that trust. And that's a that's a real thing that pulls these sort of um, the, the revelation of Isaiah's oracle is that 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 persists even in the temple city, even when God dwells in the temple in your midst. That's still the temptation when you're, when we're very near to God, we can still look at the place where God literally dwells and then still turn away and, and try and, and, and contract a, 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 an alliance with an ancestral enemy of the people of God. So that's going there. And ultimately, the horizon of this is um, is made manifest in what St. Paul is highlighting to the Thessalonians. I always, uh, you know, re reflect that in, in his intro of this concept of resurrection and, and being taken to be with the Lord um, and gathered to the Lord, whether in life or death at the Lord's coming. Um, you know, to say nothing of like, you know, the when and how that typically gets brought up with like rapture theology and things like that. We'll leave that aside properly for the moment. Um, but the point that he's making here and why he says it's very important that you understand this and that you use this truth to comfort one another when confronting the great adversary of death. Death is the great, you know, sort of the great existential enemy of all humanity. It is the, the primary, you know, the, 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 it is the old, it is the last enemy to be defeated um, and it will be defeated. Um, but like, you know, the like we see in the tendency of the ancient, uh, the ancient uh, citizens of Judah um, in hedging their uh, alliance with Egypt and leveraging it against the Assyrians. Um, so too, we're meant to see in comparing these lessons that we do the very same thing when confronted with the great adversary of our own mortality and our own end. Um, as people, I think we can all observe 
that will do just about anything to avoid having to confront the um, to confront our own end. Um, and many of the great sins that we commit are attempts to evade or to inoculate ourselves against the frailty of our own mortality. And so when we look at when we look at Paul's words here, he says, this is the great answer to that great, desperate existential question. Um, so when we look at these lessons together, they're teeing us up for um, the thematic concerns of Lent, which is about we're about to enter pre-Lent on Sunday. And that is uh, now that Christ has drawn near and his epiphany has sort of uh, has sort of filled the earth, it has thrown into relief the real uh, problems that beset the whole cosmos and each and every one of us. And now we're being led into the season where Jesus himself will enter into our condition and uh, he will go to war with the things that afflict our nature and afflict each of us. Um, this will be involved uh, as we participate in this with him. Uh, we will have to put away those little idolatries and those little compromises that like the, you know, like those in Jerusalem, uh, we are all making deals with Egypt in our own various ways, in practical ways and in, uh, in sort of matters of faith. And ultimately, Jesus is coming to trample down death itself. Uh, and so as much as we need to put away our idolatries and compromises, we also need to put on and take to ourselves Christ's resurrection. And so uh, Lent will be doing will be a season defined by doing both. And so we're teed up for those with our lessons tonight. Continuing with our intercession taking a moment to call to mind those for whom we are praying. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice, and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings temporal and spiritual upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. By the might of thy Spirit, lift us, we pray thee, to thy presence, where we may be still and know that thou art God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. And thanks to my co-leaders, Rochelle and Chris. Hope you all have a wonderful start to your weekend. 
Thank you, Father Hayden. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you.